Hi, this is Dana Hornby, and you're listening to The Calling, where we explore the lives of people who have been called for various types of ministries in their churches and in their communities. Today, we're here with Rachel Moses, who is an attorney for the Legal Aid Society of Middle Tennessee and the Cumberlands. Introducing you to local church and community leaders, The Calling. Thank you for being here, Rachel. Hi, Dana. I'm so glad to be here. So I was doing some research for our conversation today, and I was very interested to learn that you're a 1999 graduate of Center College, a 2002 graduate of the University of Tennessee College of Law, where you were the coordinator and founder of the Family Justice Project and the Pet Project. And then you went on to work at the UT Legal Clinic. You were a past president of the Putnam County Bar Association, the president of the Upper Cumberland Trial Lawyers Association, district representative for Tennessee Bar Association's Young Lawyers Division, uh, mock trial competition, local wheels for heroes, a pro bono project, which is providing free wheels to emergency first responders, I'm vice president of the TBA, a 2010 graduate of the Tennessee Bar Association's Law Leadership Program. You founded the Upper Cumberland Young Lawyers Association. You serve on the Pro Bono Advisory Committee of the Tennessee Supreme Court's Access to Justice Commission. You're a member of the Tennessee Bar Association's Public Service Committee, a board member for the Upper Cumberland Family Justice Center past president of Cookville Breakfast Rotary, assistant governor for Rotary International, and uh, president of Cookville Evening Lions Club, a lead screener for the KidSight program in collaboration with the Vanderbilt Children's Eye Clinic. You coach youth basketball, and you serve on the board of directors for the Girls Incorporated of Oak Ridge and Putnam County Youth Basketball League. So my question is, what do you do in your free time? (laughs) Well, um, yes, I mean, I, 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 my free time is really spent just helping other people. And I know that sounds really cheesy, but it is what I enjoy. I like to be around people. And when I am around people, I like to know that I'm doing some good. Uh, and uh, I, I just think that you get energy from being around people. And so I've always been a joiner as far as organizations. And that's why you, you mentioned a couple of organizations I've created over the years because when I feel like there is a need that needs to be uh, met, the best way to do that is to gather people together and uh, who have unique interests and unique uh, expertise, and then more service can be done that way. Is there anything that you do just for fun, just for for Rachel Moses? Um, well, I like to play trivia um, every Tuesday night with a group of friends, and um, I do. Uh, I like to hang out. I like to um, just go to the movies, and you know, sometimes do my Netflix thing at home. Uh, I do need some downtime. I think everybody needs some downtime. Uh, but really, I am an extrovert all the way, and so being around people is is the best thing for me. Um, I have a grandmother who's 91 who lives in Chattanooga, wow. and so I do like to go visit her. We uh, are frequent tea uh, drinkers, and so we will do oh. afternoon tea at different places, and so that's something I definitely enjoy. Um, but but I, I stay pretty busy most of the time. Very nice. I, if, as you're looking at all of the different 
uh, interests that you have. I, I wonder, do you have time to travel or enjoy the sights? <laughs> I do. I love to travel, and that is one thing um, that I do make a priority in my social free time. Uh, I love international travel. Um, oh. I've had the fortune of being able to travel internationally quite a few times ever since I was 11 years old. My parents instilled in me the importance of getting to know other parts of the world and other cultures and, and just knowing um, other people. And so I've had the uh, opportunity to do a lot of traveling internationally and have continued to do that um, through my adulthood. And, and then also just love to travel anywhere, even if it's nearby here in the Upper Cumberland, someplace I've, I've if there's someplace I've never been, I'm going to make sure to go to it. Um, just last, you know, last weekend went to a new restaurant in Livingston because it's there and <laughs> I've not been there yet. So I needed to be there. Wonderful. Do you have a favorite spot, either locally or internationally? Oh, um, well, I um, my brother lives in New York City, and I do okay. love to go up to New York sure. at least once a year. And um, the b- best thing about New York is I can always do something new every single time I visit that city. But then there are some... Um, places I like to go. There's a, a specific tea room that I like to go and have tea. It's called Alice's Teacup, and they uh, have an Alice in Wonderland theme uh, about it. And so I think that's always a great place to go. And anytime I go to Central Park, I love being in a city environment, mm-hmm. but in a park so that I can have best of both worlds where have some greenery around me, but then the big city in the background. Perfect. You mentioned starting to travel internationally at the age of 11 with your parents. How instrumental were your parents in uh, forming Rachel Moses, this human servant? They were 100% influential. Um, I can think back to moments in elementary school when I would come home and feel that that one of my classmates was done wrong and was that the teacher was not listening to them or that there was um, I, I remember specifically in second grade there was a, a situation where one of my friends who was African-American was being treated wrongly by another classmate who was Caucasian and I just I was upset by it and I was seven years old and I felt like we were it was just a wrong situation and so I talked to my parents and my parents helped me uh, go to the school and talk about it with the teacher and and then helped me um, be able to advocate for my classmate. And, and we actually got some stuff accomplished that was able to help. And and that that's what definitely led me into realizing that the more I meet new people and the more I vocalize something that I see is wrong, uh, I will uh, I will do something about it and, and try to, to make a difference. This is The Calling. We're here with Rachel Moses, and we'll be right back. This is The Calling, and we're back with Rachel Moses, attorney at Legal Aid Society of Middle Tennessee and the Cumberlands. Rachel, it seems to me from your last story that you became an attorney when you were just in grade school. Did it feel like a calling when you were standing up for your friend who had been treated unfairly? Yes, it did. And I I remember multiple incidents throughout both elementary school and junior high where I just felt that my classmates felt comfortable to come to me because they knew I would go to the appropriate authority figure and address something that was unfair in the classroom. And and it, I didn't think of it as, as being an attorney at that point, um, but I did know that I wanted to help my classmates and I had no problem uh, standing up to authority, which um, sometimes, you know, caused a little bit of problems. But for the most part, we got 
some serious uh, accomplishments. Um, specifically, I remember in seventh grade, there was a situation where a lot of um, my classmates, it seemed like seventh grade was the year where we did a lot of projects, where we had to have poster board, where we had to you know, have a lot of equipment to do things in order to get good grades. And I saw some of my classmates who just did not have the money to afford those items and uh, were not getting good grades anymore because they couldn't do those projects. And I thought that was wrong. And so I organized a uh, meeting with my principal in seventh grade and uh, talked to him about how the problem was there. And he arranged uh, so that everybody in the school could get the supplies they needed by going to the library and um, and just made it, made it an issue that did not handicap anybody from being able to continue to get good grades. Um, and interestingly, that was around probably 1990, 91. And then years later, I learned that in 1992, the state of Tennessee actually passed a law that made it so that no child should be deprived of school supplies that they need in the classroom. And I don't think it was my individual <laughs> meeting with the seventh grade chief principal that made that law pass. But I think it was just a, something that was moving um, throughout the state. And and then later when I learned that the, that what I was advocating actually became a law that now I can advocate as a lawyer uh, to make sure that that children are being well taken care of in the classroom. Would you agree that law school was a tool for you to answer your calling as much as a vocation? Yes, of course, you know, law school is also a little bit of a, a torture for people who are going through it. Um, but it's a necessary tool. And for me, um, I had I felt like I had great professors and, and great learning from the classes I took, but then the extracurricular activities that I did while I was in law school, which was being involved in UT Pro Bono, which was uh, getting providing free legal services uh, to lower income individuals, um, allowed me to do even more to learn how to be a lawyer. Uh, we worked alongside lawyers while we were still in law school to assist them in different projects. I'm interested in this passion you have for justice ministries. One in particular that I find fascinating is the pet project that you had while you were at the University of Tennessee. What specifically spoke to you about people and their pets? Yes, um, that particular project uh, was a collaboration between the University of Tennessee Law School, the University of Tennessee Veterinarian School, and the University of Tennessee Social Work School. And it was specifically geared toward helping victims of domestic violence be able to escape their abuse and be able to go away from their abusive situations and keep their pets with them um, because, uh, unfortunately, in a lot of domestic abuse situations, pets end up being a an object of, of control that a lot of times the abusers will – either threaten the pet or they will threaten to take away the pet um, as a way to keep the victim with the abuser. And a lot of domestic violence programs, they, they don't have space or housing for the victim to come and bring their pet with them. And so then the choice has to be made uh, whether or not the victim will stay with their abuser because of protection of their pet, their animal, who is usually their best friend in these scenarios, um, or, you know, escape and leave their pet alone in, with right. the abuser. And so we made a collaboration to try to 
get a situation where if a victim does go to a domestic violence shelter, the shelter can work with veterinarians or other animal shelters or different programs to house the pet while the adult victim is with the adult housing um, for the human. And, and, and so we had to work with lawyers to do contracts with all the different uh, agencies that were involved. And so I, it was just a natural um, project that made sense. Uh, and now, now there are a lot of programs out there that exist, but at the time there weren't. And so it started as, call, as being called the Pet Project. Equally fascinated by Wheels for Heroes here in the Upper Cumberland. We have so many people who sacrificially give of their lives in service to the community. And you have this program in service to those heroes. How did Wheels for Heroes start and how does that function now? Yeah, so the Wheels for Heroes um, is a national program that started after 9-11 when I think we all after 9-11 were looking to our first responders as heroes, of course. I mean, but it kind of woke us all up to realize that firefighters and police officers are putting their lives in danger every single day. And then we realized as attorneys that a lot of those folks don't have wills in estate planning, even though they're putting their lives in danger. So there was an attorney specifically, I think in South Carolina, who uh, began going to their local uh law enforcement and and offering those services. And it it ended up prompting or creating this nationwide program, the Wills for Heroes Foundation, and uh, to allow attorneys to to give back in that capacity. And so I was the local coordinator for several years, and now there is a new local coordinator. Tessa Lawson is a local attorney. Um, and this we used to do these clinics where uh, first responders would come and attorneys would volunteer, and we had laptops ready, and we would get all the estate planning documents ready while they were there. This year it's being moved to more of an on-demand situation okay. where if there is a, um, a first responder who is needing such service, they can contact either the Legal Aid Society or the Tennessee Bar Association, and we can put them in touch with uh, an attorney. You're listening to The Calling. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Calling, and we're back with Rachel Moses, attorney at Legal Aid Society of Middle Tennessee and the Cumberlands. We thought we would share with you a motivational moment about how a call to justice ministries interacts with someone's faith. And Rachel, I can imagine that in many of the situations you face at work during a day, you find some pretty tough situations that people are encountering and trying their best to cope with. How does your faith help you in that crunch time with those families? Well, it it helps in two ways. Um, you know, one way is to to know that I may be answering possibly the prayers of my clients and knowing that that if I can be there for them and help them as much as possible, that, that I might be able to accomplish something that they have been needing to have accomplished. Uh, but then when, when doing that kind of work, there is the compassion fatigue that the service provider such as myself has and um, – you know, knowing that that I can take moments to reflect, um, you know, on, as often as I need to, uh, to just be asked for the strength to continue on and, and to just keep this, doing the service that I am. Um, you know, I um, I have gone to church off and on throughout my life. Um, my grandma Moses was the one who 
uh, went for 71 years to the little Falling Water Cumberland Presbyterian Church down outside Chattanooga, and I visited there recently for a family reunion. And, you know, just knowing the kind of the history behind my family's involvement with creating churches, both both sets of grandparents actually started churches while, wow. yeah, during their lifetime, and, and knowing that that they have that history of being fellowshipping with their fellow worshipers and doing service with each other and and going to the Bible when they need to 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 learn more and gain the strength that they need. I just I try to continue in that tradition um, as best as I, as best as I can. Sure. Um, I know I need to be a little bit more devout in going to church, uh, but the great thing is that. I've learned throughout my travels, throughout my career, that you will be inspired in so many different ways. It may be sitting in front of a client talking with them. It may be, you know, traveling to another country and and seeing where people worship or get inspired in different ways, whether it be churches or or other types of um, homes and, and just... I don't know, just trying to keep the keep the keep the spirit alive and, and just do the best I can. I think it's interesting that you mentioned that um, for you, sometimes it feels like maybe perhaps you could be that person's answer to a prayer. And and I do believe that's true. And I wonder, as you experience God, you know, people experience God in many different ways. Do you ever feel like you are that uh, uh the hands of Christ as a protector for someone, or do you ever feel any particular role? I I do, and that's sometimes very scary. Sure. And um, but then that inspires me because if I feel like I am doing, if I'm helping someone, and that I am um, helping them get out of a, a negative situation, then I am more inspired to do that. I think inspiration is a key, and you mentioned that in your previous comment. I think just in everyday walks, we uh, we have a choice to make. We can make the world a better place, or we can bring people down. And there's this wonderful opportunity to see Christ in another person, and then also to be Christ for that person, to be that answer to the prayer. And so I think it's great that we can lift each other up, make the world a better place in that way. When it gets tough, though, and you mentioned needing to walk away for a little bit, what anchors you in your life? Good question. Um, I mean, I think, um, I mean, having having a, a a regular pattern of of you know a schedule and having a regular pattern of Seeing people and talking with people and being around people, I, I'm really a people person, and and I I need people, and I think people need people, and I know yes. that we hear that all the time, and I I don't think people realize that as much. Rachel, thank you for being with us today. Before we let you go, we're gonna do our top five questions. And as an attorney, I think you'll appreciate this. You can plead the fifth on one of them if you like. Okay. <laughs> you get a free pass on one of them. So first question, what's on your playlist? Oh, 
Um, well, I'm kind of um, a rap fan, and specifically, so you got some Kanye on there. <laughs> Not so much Kanye, but Usher. Usher. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah is a, a song that just gets everybody moving yes. and i think it's it's an a good song i saw usher in concert a couple of years ago Excellent. He, usher got me moving he's a chattanooga boy yes so. <laughs> okay if there were a gag reel of your life what would be on it oh my um probably um of me dropping something or is that a guy yeah yes because sure. i drop things a lot okay. <laughs> i um i have so many ep- incidents throughout life where i'm in a fancy dinner or i am doing something and i totally am spilling it all over myself and usually avoid hitting other people but nice probably. keeping it real yes keeping it real <laughs> okay Remember that you can plead the fifth, and as an attorney, I'm sure you're sensitive to this. However, if you were convicted of a crime, what would your family say that would be? Oh, my goodness. I better plead the fifth on this one. (laughs) (laughs) Duly noted. Absolutely. If we were going to make a movie of your life, who would you want to play the role of Rachel Moses? Oh, wow. Um. I think Zoe Deschanel. I, I I love her in New Girl and in almost every role that she has. And I think she's got a, a she's quirky, but she's intelligent and she has the dark hair going on. Yes. So I think that works. And she's a great singer too. She is, yes. A wonderful <laughs> singer. Okay, last question. Tell us the funniest, cleanest joke you know. Oh my goodness. Um Okay, well, it's it's a joke that a client told me last week, uh, so it's it's a lawyer joke, of course. Um, but basically, it's and it doesn't even apply to me because I'm legal aid, but I still think it's funny. And it's uh, if um, uh, there were, I think there was a group of attorneys in Chicago, and uh, it was a super cold winter day, and uh, and and somebody came out and said, well, yeah, it's. You know it's cold today because all the lawyers, even the lawyers, have their hands in their pockets. <laughs> and so I don't know. That's not very nice. funny, but <laughs> I think it's important that you know you can tell a lawyer joke. <laughs> right. Absolutely, right. it shows humility. Yes. <laughs> You've been listening to the calling. Thank you, Rachel, for being with us today. Thank you. We Dana. appreciate hearing your story of your service to humanity. Thank you. Thank you.